Who are the players who will have the biggest impact in the Pac-12 this year? We take a look at one media outlet's 2022 preseason first team, all Pac-12 team. It's mostly right, but not entirely. And we evaluate Washington State's Jake Dickert in the small time he has had so far up in Pullman. Let's go. Locked on Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster. Thanks for making this your first listen or your first view of the day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Conference of Champions. Like, comment, subscribe wherever you're listening to or watching the show so you never miss an episode or a video. This episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online, as you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts so Athlon sports came out they're just like a sports online media company and whatnot and they released their uh, preseason first team all pac 12 team and i i actually i usually see these things and think they're mostly ridiculous you know there's just you know it's some clickbait or they're not fully considering stuff i think they mostly got this right now i will say when i'm talking about you know what i think they're doing well I'm primarily looking at the skill positions because in order to grade the offensive lineman, you either have to be a really big time prospect or I'd have to go back and study hundreds upon hundreds of hours of film and analyze and, you know, put together my own ratings and like, yada, yada, yada. I think we all understand that. So I'm going to just kind of take their word on the guys in, in the trenches for the most part, but their first team right now. You got a couple transfers on here, which is not a surprise in this new transfer portal era that we have in college football. And the first team quarterback is Caleb Williams. I think this is a pretty easy no brainer. I'm not going to push back on this at all. If it was not Caleb Williams, it would certainly be Cam Rising, who they had on the second team. And I think Cam Rising is really good. But I do think Caleb Williams is, is a I don't say a great deal better, but I mean, he's uh, he's a level above Cam Rising in terms of uh, where he's at as a college quarterback and also how he projects at, as a pro. I mean, Williams probably going to be the number one quarterback taken in the class of 2024, the NFL draft class. That is uh, different than high school recruiting, of course. But I, I think Cam Rising would have been here had had Caleb Williams not been the uh, the the big time transfer addition that the Trojans made this offseason. Uh, there's plenty of Trojans on this list, by the way, which is not surprising because when you look at skill positions, they are very, 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 very talented. Probably the most talented team in in the Pac-12, mostly via the transfer portal, but still counts. So Caleb Williams quarterback, no arguments there. They had three running backs. One of them was an all-purpose. They've got Travis Dye as a running back, an all-purpose guy, you know, maybe a third down specialist or a pass catcher, you know, line him up as, as a receiver and do that sort of stuff. I think that's the that's the right selection there. But the the two main running backs, Tavion Thomas and Zach Charbonnet. And, and what's interesting there is that Die was very productive a season ago, and he was most of Oregon's offense. So I think he had a case to be above Zach Charbonnet. But I think if you're talking about pure running backs and not overall players, like I, I think they have that situated correctly where die is a running back slash all purpose guy who's going to do a little bit of everything. Whereas 
Tavion Thomas, Zach Charbonnet, those two are just bell cow running backs who are going to be focal points of their offense this year. They absolutely should be because they are so, so darn good. And, you know, they're well-rounded, too. I mean, both are capable of catching passes, but, you know, not in the way that, like, a Travis Jones does or, you know, some other running backs we've seen over the years who you look at and say, like, oh, he's probably a third-down specialist. Like, Charbonnet and Tavion Thomas, I fully expect to make the NFL and, you know, be solid players there but they're going to do a lot of their damage between the tackles. And there's something, you know, kind of old school about both of those guys. You, you give them the ball and they just want to punch you in the mouth. They want to be physical. They want to run between the tackles, run through contact. I mean, when Charbonnet was rolling last year, he would run through arm tackles like it was nobody's business. I mean, it was just easy for him. And Tavion Thomas, same sort of deal. I think Thomas had a slightly better offensive line. I'm not taking a shot at Tavion Thomas. He's a really good running back. But I I, just, I love both of those guys, the way they're built, they're explosive, they're powerful, and they just they run determined. And I think that's what makes them so good. Definitely agree having them on, on the first team because those are the guys I would most want in the conference as well. Wide receivers, they've only got two, which which seems a little bit odd. Uh, they've got Jordan Addison, 2021 Boletnikoff winner. That's, again, pretty easy selection. The, uh, the Pittsburgh transfer comes into USC. And then the other first teamer, this was a little bit of a surprise. They have Jacob Cowing. Now, Cowing is down at Arizona. He's coming over from UTEP where he had a 1,000-yard season, and he was very good for the Miners down in El Paso and I think is one of the you know kind of premier weapons that Arizona will, will feature in the offense this year. The reason I, I was hesitant when going through the list of saying, like, that's a first-team performer preseason is we don't know if Arizona's offense is going to take the step forward that, that many people would like it to. Now, do I expect it to? Yes, but it, it's still relatively unproven. I mean, Jed Fish has NFL experience. He's been on these staffs, right, with Bill Belichick and Sean McVay, but he hasn't been a play caller a ton. I mean, he like, he has background as a play caller, but that's the weakest area of his you know, a coaching evaluation that I did uh, a week or within the last week or so on, on the show. You can check it out on the YouTube channel if if you want to find it. But that's by far because Arizona was bad when he got there. Right. But the other side of the coin is other coaches come into a bad situation and they don't completely turn around in a year like Jim Harbaugh did at Michigan, where, you know, they won four games and then he came in and they won nine or something like that. But that's, you know, a little bit more rare. And USC fans, of course, hoping that Lincoln Riley will, will be able to do that down in L.A. for the Trojans. And with the transfer portal, it's going to make it a lot easier for him to do that for sure. But schematically I, I, is where I still have questions about Jed Fish. And so when I look at the list, uh, because, you know, they still went 1-11. They lost to NAU. Like, you should be able to out-scheme NAU. You still have better players even if Arizona's down. So when I look at the list and I, and I see, you know, Jacob Cowling, first-team wide receiver, it, it, it it's assuming something that I don't think is quite a given. I expect it to happen, but do I know that it will? No. I, I mean, their offense was just not where it needed to be a season ago, but now they have Jaden Delore, so it's, so it's better. But uh, I, I feel like Cowing was was kind of one of the bigger surprises on on that list. I tied in. They've got Brant Keithy. I look, that's what the pronunciation guy just got on, uh, on utahfootball.com. So, uh, the K U I T H E Keithy, just the way we're all taught to use the English language in grade school. 
Great tight end prospect. 611 yards, five touchdowns a season ago. He was second team. He's been on the second team, I think, three years in a row, actually. And his uh, his teammate, Dalton Kincaid, is on the third team. And I think both are, are very talented guys and you know worthy of being recognized on a preseason all-conference list. But there's somebody I think is getting short-sighted here, and I'll tell you who that is. But first, I remind you, this episode brought to you by Bet Online, your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, news and odds, including this year's basketball championship, the NHL Hockey Conference Finals, Major League Baseball, Go Mariners, and of course, all the latest fighting news from MMA and UFC to boxing. Bet Online is your continu- continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online is where the game starts. The guy I think getting shortchanged here, not that I don't like Keithy, is Luke Musgrave of Oregon State, who I think is going to go to the NFL and really have a, a, a nice, solid career. He might need to develop a bit as a blocker, but I don't know about a ton. Oregon State ran the ball very well a season ago and projects to do so again with him in the mix. People always forget, right? You think running the ball, you think offensive line, you got to have a tight end who can get in there and block as well. And from a pass catching perspective, at least, I think Musgrave is really, really good. They had him on the fourth team, and that's way too low. That that is that is way, way, way too low for a tight. I, I think he's one of the at least one of the two best tight ends in the conference at the very least. So I thought he got shortchanged a little bit there. Offensive line went all over the place. No surprise, you know, looking at uh, the offensive line units from a season ago. Who's on here? You got Jackson Kirkland from Washington. That's an easy one. Uh, Alex Forsyth, Alex Forsyth, and TJ Bass from Oregon. They have been anchors on that Oregon offensive line for quite a while. Braden Daniels at Utah, stud, and Andrew Voorhees down at, at USC, who I think the Trojans are, you know, hoping is going to kind of anchor the offensive line unit that is probably the biggest question mark for for the Trojans this year offensively. I mean, you got quarterback, you got running back, you got receiver figured out. I think tight end as well. How much they utilize tight ends is is an interesting question with uh, with Lincoln Riley down there because he's used them a lot in the past, but USC has not, or at least a season ago they did not throw in the ball quite a bit. So I think that's an interesting thing to see how that plays out. But uh, Voorhees definitely the best offensive lineman that USC has got. No complaints on on any any of those guys there. Uh, kick returner and punt returner they have two different guys actually. Punt returner DJ Taylor. Down at ASU, I'll be honest, I haven't seen a ton from him, so I won't I won't push back a lot. But kick return is the guy who I you know might have slotted at at punt return. That's Kaz Allen. He he is so explosive and really poised to to be a feature player this year in UCLA's offense. I, I think that when you look at the explosiveness he has, the speed he has, and how he fits into the Chip Kelly offense, I think it's a pretty seamless fit. And and we've seen that you know so far in his career. But with no Greg Dulcich, no Kyle Phillips, no Chase Cota, someone needs to fill the void. And Jake Bobo, the transfer from from Duke, is going to fill some of those uh, some of those shoes. But Kaz Allen needs to take a leap. He's got to be the slot guy. He's going to get some fly sweeps. They put him back on kick returns. He's got a couple kick returns for touchdowns in his career. I mean, he's got blistering speed. I mean, it's 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 pretty fun to watch. And I think he's. You know, with Britton Covey no longer at Utah after his 22-year career, I think that uh, I think Kaz Allen's probably the best kick return guy in in the Pac-12 coming into this season. Uh, let's look at the defense before we get to uh, Jake Dickert's evaluation. And speaking of 
uh, the Cougars. They're undergoing, I think, a little bit of a cultural shift. Like they are, but they aren't. I, I think Dickert and their, their DC Brian Ward are just doing a better job with the defense, but they're still going to, I think, throw the ball a lot with Cam Ward this year, coming in with Eric Morris, and I'll get to all that a little bit later. But how about them having Ron Stone, preseason first team all pack 12, is again, according to Athlon Sports. I mean, four or five years ago, when Washington State was good with Mike Leach, would you ever have imagined them having a position on, on a list like this that was not quarterback or receiver or offensive line? Not really. But he, here's Stone on the list, the only actual edge player listed on the defensive line. You know, they, they just kind of put four defensive linemen in there, regardless of position. Uh, the other ones are Brandon Dorless of Oregon, who was the highest graded interior defensive lineman a season ago. He can slide out and play in, but he's best on the inside. And then they've got uh, Tuli Tui Pulodu from USC. And then, cut me some slack here, Tuli Ledululi Gasanoa from, <laughs> from Washington. Those are the big boys they've got up front on the defensive side. Again, all four listed as defensive linemen and Ron Stone, kind of the only edge player there. Maybe they're, I think they're just kind of going off uh, off position there. Um, linebackers, they've got four, and I, I think these are all the correct choice. I think USC fans might say, well, what about Shane Lee from Alabama? I think we just haven't seen enough from him yet for him to get on, on the first team here because Pac-12 really has a lot of really good linebackers. you got Jackson Sermon down at Cal, who's going to play for – his dad, Peter Sermon, the Bears' defensive coordinator. Uh, Omar Spates from the Bees. Dude has been a stud. Uh, Noah Sewell at Oregon, probably a first-round draft pick. And then Zion Tupola Fatui at uh, at Washington. Again, no no arguments whatsoever there. In the secondary, they've got uh, Caillou Blue Kelly, which is a phenomenal name up in Palo Alto for the Stanford Cardinal and David Shaw. And then Clark Phillips at Utah. No surprise to see Utah defensive players making the list and then uh, at the back end of the secondary speaking of Utes uh, you've got Cole Bishop and then Daniel Scott the safety at, at Cal so about what you would expect you know a lot of defensively oriented teams or, or uh, featured on on that side of the ball for the most part so again no complaints but those are kind of the a, a lot of the biggest names to watch this year that's why I wanted to go through that is because you know you think about who uh, or, or which teams are going to, you know, contend for a Pac-12 championship? When these are, a, a, it's a good insight as to the players that they're going to help them do that. But what's always, you know, fun to see as well is who's going to emerge, right? I mean, this is the list that we've got now, but maybe there are players who, you know, start playing really well in fall camp, and we expect to see more playing time from them, or you know, maybe some more transfers come in. I don't know what all the deadlines are. I think they've passed for for now, but it probably reopens once. Fall camp. I, I actually don't know what the transfer rules are and all that sort of stuff, but I think that uh, I think that's a good list. And I think offensively, they got it pretty darn right. You know, Caleb Williams and Zach Charbonnet with Tavion Thomas and Jordan Addison in there. That Cowing was a little bit of a surprise, and and Musgrave was a little shortchanged on the fourth team. But other than that, I, I again, I usually see those things and think, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. Who put this together? But I read that and I was like, yeah, I think that's. Uh, that's, that's pretty darn accurate. Don't know if I would have put together the list so differently myself. Okay, let's evaluate Jake Dickert, shall we? And it's been a short tenure up in Pullman, so he's kind of in this hybrid stage of being, you know, is he a new cut? An upcoming segment I'll do. I, I don't know exactly the day, but you know, something that that I want to do here on the show is 
you know, talk about expectations for all the new coaches. He's in that mix, but he's also, you know, had some time. So I think there is something that, that we can evaluate so far. And again, I remind you, I'm a tough grader. C is average. I've given out plenty of C's, given out some C minuses, even a couple of D's, but I've also given out a fair share of, you know, B's and even an A or A minus here and there, but that's very hard to obtain. However, I think Jake Dickert comes right up to the level of getting an A minus. I give him a B plus. And that, again, is not your high school, college, 2022 B plus where you're like, oh, darn, could have done a little. No, 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 no. That's really good because I think Dickert has done a great job so far. An above 500 season in Pullman is always a positive for the Cougars, right? Not a recruiting power. Haven't been to a Pac-12 championship game before. Haven't been to a Rose Bowl in, gosh, it's been a while. I mean, anytime you're above 500, that's a plus. So that's always going to, you know, catch my eye in a positive way and make me go, okay, yeah, he's, he's clearly doing a nice job. But when you come in as the interim head coach and you go on the road to Washington and you don't just snap a seven-game losing streak in the Apple Cup, but you route the Huskies. I understand Washington was down. They finished the year four and eight, but if they win that game, it'd be five and seven. Maybe it feels a little bit differently, but that was the final nail in Washington's coffin in the 2021 season, right? Because it was the last game they played and it left a sour taste in their mouths. And yes, Washington state was a better team. They should have won the game. However, how many times Mike Leach was never able to be Washington. How many times have we seen situations where Washington State should beat the Huskies, and they don't? Dickert comes in, calls himself the interviewing head coach, rolls into Seattle, and absolutely obliterates Washington. I mean, that was really impressive. From a, from a cultural standpoint, I think that shifted the tone in in Washington State football with Dickert as a head coach. Like, oh, oh, we, we can do this, right? Because it just, I guarantee if you ask Cougar fans, I know several of them. My aunt is a, is a big Washington State Cougar fan, so is my cousin. They're always worried going into that game. Even a year ago when they were favored and they, they should have won and Washington was down, they had those same feelings of like, I, just, I, I, I don't know. It's Washington. Like, we just, we, we struggle to beat them. You end a seven-game losing streak, you get big, major points in in my book so b plus overall and a big reason is not just that they were above 500 but that they they beat washington recruiting uh and for those of you that have forgotten or haven't seen one of these before i thank you for uh checking out here on youtube or on the podcast if you're listening we go overall recruiting game management and scheme player development and assistant hires so those are the those are the five areas where I'm grading coaches who we've seen so far, and then I'll get into the evals of the uh, the new coaches and kind of what to make of their hires. That'll be next, which is why you should like and subscribe wherever you're listening to or watching the show to keep up to date with all the content that I'm putting out this summer leading up to the season, which I can't wait for. Less than 100 days away. <sighs> I miss college football. Recruiting, I give Dicker to C. Again, this is so far. You know, it's early, but, you know, I'm checking out the, the recruiting class rankings that – Washington State had before he was named the head coach or you know became the interim interim head coach and you know what they did this year and they're right about where you would be you know around 60th in the country I think if he was doing really well he could crack the, crack the top 
top 50 or maybe top 40, but that, that's a tough thing to do because Pullman is not a very easy place to recruit. The one thing that Washington State has in its favor, and the Huskies have this too, though they you know increasingly are seeing the, the amount of in-state talent they have or the top tier in-state talent going elsewhere is Washington's kind of a growing state. You know, I, I liken it to Arizona where the, the, the population's growing and you just have, you know, more and more good players coming out of those states. And I think that having more talent in your backyard is really essential because it's hard for Washington State to go into a place like Texas and bring a player from, you know, the Dallas area all the way up to, to Pullman, Washington. That's, that's a really tough sell. But, you know, so far, I give Dicker to see. He's been average. It's been, it's been fine. You know, it hasn't really changed for, for better or worse early in his tenure. And, and I'm going to be interested to see whether or not that changes because if he has another successful season, is he able to build on that? And is he able to get that, that recruiting ranking maybe closer to, you know, top 50, maybe even top 40 range? But we, but we don't know right now. So based on what we've seen, uh, he gets to see, and you know they they did lose Jaden Delora, and when I'm talking about recruiting transfer portal, that that that's part of it, 100. percent But they did bring in uh, Cam Warren, and he was a very highly coveted transfer quarterback. Even though he's coming from the FCS level, 24/7 Sports had him graded above Keaton Slovis, former USC quarterback, and Spencer Rattler, former five star at Oklahoma, now down at uh, South Carolina. So. They are very high on him from what I see. He put up crazy numbers, absolutely crazy numbers in uh, in the Southland, I believe. Yeah, I think yeah, I think they were, they were in Southland last year. They've moved to the WAC since then. But at Incarnate Ward, he was putting up absolutely bonkers stats and was a highly covered recruit. So, again, C on recruiting. Game management scheme, I give him a B. You know, it, the only reason it's not higher is it was still seven wins. Uh, you know, it wasn't a nine or 10 win season. Whereas if you have that with uh, a, a program like Washington state or, you know, Colorado or Cal falls into this category, then I rate your game management scheme pretty high. Cause you're typically not going to dominate on the recruiting trail. doesn't mean you can't bring in good players, but a lot of times, you know, you look at like uh, the, you know, Juco transfers or getting the most out, out of three-star guy, but you don't have the big time recruits, that uh, USC and Oregon and Utah are are bringing in, uh, maybe even a UCLA from time to time. You just don't have those sorts of resources. Stanford sometimes as well. So if you win seven games, I got to think that your game management scheme is pretty good. And I watch them, you know, and and they're well coached. And the other thing is the defense has made such tremendous strides. Um, it, they have come a long way from what they were a couple seasons ago. And Coach Dicker comes from that side of the ball. And so seeing that improve leads me to believe like, okay, he, he knows what he's doing on Saturdays. Another reason this isn't higher and I give it just a, a B, which again is still above average. That bowl game was ugly. That, that was not, not one that, that Cougar fans want to remember. So I, I have to keep that in mind, but overall so far I would give him a B that's a good place to be player development. That's TBD. I, I can't grade him on, you know, not even a, a full season yet on player development. So that will be something we'll have to revisit at a later time. But the strongest area I think so far are his assistant hires. And I, I think his assistant hires have been fantastic. I am a big fan of what he's done with his staff so far. You've got Brian Ward hires the defensive coordinator. And I understand that Coach Digger comes from that side of the ball. I don't know actually which of them is calling defensive plays. But regardless, 
even if you're a defensive head coach, your defense coordinator has a lot to say about how the defense is run, what plays are called, recruiting play, and all that sort of stuff. And Washington State's defense has just done a complete 180 since they got in there on that on that side. And it's been remarkable. I mean, in 2019, I think they allowed like 31 points a game. And, and they were all the way down to 24 a season ago. That's a massive, massive drop off. And I was talking about kind of the you know cultural identity change Washington State is undergoing. And, it, you know, they're still, you know, Eric Morris, the offensive coordinator, I'll get to here in just a sec, is still going to probably throw the ball a lot. And you'll have that Washington State feel that we know from the past six, seven years when they've risen back to being a relevant team in the Pac-12 North and, you know, kind of the conference writ large, or at least a team to be reckoned with. Whereas, you know, in the early 2010s, they were just kind of a rollover. I, I think that you're looking at a team that is now capable and, and pretty tough and stingy on the defensive side. And they just weren't that right. It was all about Mike Leach and scoring points and who cares about defense and, and all, all that sort of stuff. That's good and fine. They did very well, had an 11 win season with an Alamo Bowl victory back in 2017. Don't quote me on that. Um, as you can tell, I don't remember it specifically, but you know, the, the season that I'm talking about, and I, I just think that they have done such a remarkable job. So I like Brian Ward a lot on the defensive side of the ball. If the Cougars defense keeps getting better, if they improve again, Brian Ward might get a head coaching opportunity somewhere at, you know, like a mountain West school. I mean, I, I could definitely see that coming into play in, in a year or two, but their new offensive coordinator is Eric Morris. And I, I like the hire. He brings Cam Ward with him. So you're going to have that past relationship that normally you have to develop between a coach and coordinator, uh, you know, specifically an offensive coordinator or between a quarterback and an offensive coordinator, I should say. And, you know, you look at what they did at Incarnate Ward. They scored a lot of points and, and you bring in someone who was a head coach at the FCS level now is an offensive coordinator. I, I think that I think it has the potential to work out very well. Now, could it flop? Eh, sure. And anything could, but I think if you look at the body of work that they put together together, I, I expect them to be able to score plenty of points. And I like that hired. So he gets an A minus, Jake Dickert does with his assistant hires. I, I really, really liked what he's done on both sides of the ball. And I think he's got Washington State moving in the right direction and poised for, you know, a, a really solid season here in 2022. I appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time and have a wonderful rest of your day.